0: Call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 54 of Call It Friend of the Podcast, where two friends watch a film decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself Andy, J, Richie, my co-host Danica Tiernan, watch the 2018 Irish historical drama Black 47. As always, the podcast contains spoilers for the film right from the start. Check out JustWatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. You can find us on Instagram at Podcast. Drop us a line there with any feedback or recommendations. Can I interest you in some soup? So this is episode 54. We're going to be talking about the Irish famine film, Black 47, fun times all around. But I guess before that, what have you been watching, Don Chad? What have I been watching? I've had a, a great
1: week at the pictures, uh, generally the pictures in my home because I have a new awesome TV. Congrats. So first of all, I've been catching up on Apple's Foundation. Have you watched any of this? No, but I understand it's vaguely June-ish. Yeah, sci-fi. I mean it's distant future, galactic empires, that kind of crack. It's based on uh, <laughs> reviewers call it um, Isaac Asimov's uh, like extremely dense sci-fi series, which would like this isn't just me talking as a as a nerd. Isaac Asimov's books are like. They're they're a bit of crack, to be honest. They're very episodic and they're fun. They're not deep and philosophical like a lot of science fiction. So I think all the critics that say that basically just haven't read the books, you know. Um, but uh, the money on the screen here, once again with Apple, is just insane. It's just there's so much in it now. Rather the because okay, so the story of found of Foundation is. A mathematician invents this type of maths called psychohistory that can predict the future. And he, he predicts the galactic empire is going to fall. And it could be a 10,000-year fall, or if they use his predictions, it'll be less. And he wants to create a, a base of knowledge where they can pick themselves up from it in the future. So create a planet out of... Is this set on Earth? Earth. Or are they humans? They're human. Right, okay. okay. But in the far distant future. So then they he want it's about the foundation of this community called the Foundation, and their goal is to keep the roots of civilization as the galaxy falls to pieces. It's uh, been adapted by David S. Goyer, who's made some. Cool uh, adjustments to the storyline to so you can have a line of continuity through it because the story is essentially supposed to last a thousand years. It's set over a thousand years. All
0: right, a thousand series and a movie. <laughs> Eighty episodes is what he's planning. Eighty. Yeah. Okay. Eighty episodes. I, um, episode six just dropped the other day. Are you up to date with Foundation? Or? No, I'm three in at the moment. I'm not.
1: Despite the adjustments that David S. Goyer has made, I'm finding it difficult to get a hook into it so far. To con like contrast with something like The Expanse, which I absolutely love, um, there aren't really characters. The Expanse has great characters, um, but there are huge ideas. Which The Expanse is, I mean, it's an Earth story set amongst the, in the solar system, you know. I like I
0: I I haven't watched as far as it... yeah. As <clears throat> that was have. my next question. I can't remember how far into the expanse you are.
1: Uh, I think I've only seen the first three series. Yeah, because it starts going off in crazy directions. Well, I'm looking forward to Most that. Spoilers. But yeah, huge ideas. But anyway, I am. Um, it, it, it's a great one to um, test out the the big uh, 4K mm. TV
0: because it's just yeah, it's so expensive. Uh, is it similar to anything else? Not the TV, the Dune, f- Foundation. For it is sure. To Dune, it think.
1: is similar to Dune, yeah. There's mad Doctor Who vibes it from worked. it. Uh-oh. Not in how cheap it looks, yeah. it doesn't look cheap at all. Uh, just in how they're going for such big ideas. Right. But, like, you know, and they, you know they handhold you through them. But big ideas alongside ridiculous ideas, I suppose, is where it gets... It's Doctor Whoishness. I, neither of us are fans of Doctor Who, no. obviously. Right, right. Also, I've watched, I watched, um, and then there were none. The 2015 Sarah Phelps miniseries adaptation of the Agatha Christie book, uh, which had a different title, which was not good. Oh,
0: oh yeah. Okay, that's uh, yeah. You can't. You're not allowed no. to say that. No, exactly. exactly.
1: So, oh, geez, it must be a year ago. I heard an interview with Sarah Phelps on the Pilot TV podcast. She was promoting her show Dublin Murders, which I watched and it was really good. Now she's I, Irish. Uh, no, she's not. She's English. She um, just
0: likes murdering Irish people. Exactly,
1: on screen. And it was then that I formed my writer's theory, which is when writers sound like nice, cool people, as opposed to any, many other people in the entertainment industry, like actors certainly, this isn't the case, directors neither, but when writers sound like nice, cool people, their stuff tends to be good. Generally
0: speaking, good. Who are your examples? David Simon?
1: Uh, David Simon is actually a good one um, David Chase is another one mm. uh, But even like uh, Sophie Pretzel Is one that uh, that. I, she I'm sounds delicious Definitely getting her name wrong um, <laughs> It's Definitely not someone called Sophie Pretzel uh, I'll look it up now um, Who recently did uh, She did Blood Series 1 and 2 And she's got a new one out called Hollington Drive which I'm looking forward to starting Soon um, or Russell T Davies is a great oh, yeah, example. He seems
0: like a very nice man. Hey, now stop that!
1: Yeah, so Sophie Petzal, okay, very similar. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Anyway, an extra So
1: Sarah Phelps sound, uh, sounded like she was real nice, and then she was talking about these Agatha Christie adaptations that she did, which she said she hadn't been a fan of uh, the books growing up, and then she eventually got around to reading them, and she thought it'd be an interesting angle to just actually make these about grim, grimy murders as opposed to all the, you know, parlor room mysteries and shit like that.
0: uh, Are her adaptations set in the
1: modern day? No, they're not. Ah. Um, She does change the setting of some of them to, for example, some of them are set in the 60s, I understand, which is when the books would have been written. But this one in particular is set like in the early 20th century when it would have been set in the book. But no, the fact of the matter is it's just, it's a murder story, so it's about a house filling up with dead people on an island. It's grim, and the cast is fucking unbelievable. Um, you got uh, Sam Neill, Noah Taylor, uh, can't remember more, but I'm sure there are more, it, Like, but really just impressive across the board. And uh, yeah, so I've been... Where is it set? On some island off the coast of England, probably a fictional island, I'd reckon. And so the the setting of it is a big house... The all these people are invited out there to for to spend a weekend. Oh, Charles dances in it. Also, Ooh, always good. Very nice. Um, and uh, then as the, when they're out there, this recording plays over an intercom that accuses them all of various murders. They've all kind of killed somebody, and then they all start dying one by one. And they're trying to figure out
0: who mm. is. It's sort killer. of like the uh, twenty ten film Predators. Uh, I have not seen that. <laughs> you haven't seen Predators? No, I have not. It's actually worth watching. It's I better than the last. The, the only the Predator, uh, I have
1: been. only seen the first two Predator films. Wow! Well, I still haven't. Have you seen the Shane
0: Black one? The newest yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, it's uh it's almost so bad it's good in some in parts. But oh, it's, it's bad. genuinely it's really really awful. Yeah. Ah oh, no, it's that's really upsetting. Bad. It's quite funny. There's moments in it that are where he completely sacrifices the film just for silly jokes. I'm up for that. it might be worth it. You've got a nice big TV. Whack it on. I think anything's good now, probably, watching it uh, on on your massive screen. I always love,
1: uh, like, I've seen Predator countless times, and Predator is one that is worth sticking around for the credits, more so almost than the Marvel movies
0: with their (laughs) post-credits things. Do you remember the Predator credits? Is Is it people like, they're like, they... They start laughing and so yeah, yeah they, they do, do like close-ups and then yeah. they're all yeah. <laughs> cars. Oh. I do love that. I saw Predator Very in the cinema probably about three, four years ago. Nice. And uh, an I, film. it was raucous. It was raucous. People were drinking heavily. There's so much laughing. People like, you know, oh, saying so, the lines and things like that. I know, I know. It was so good. It's such a great bunch movie. of uh, slack jawed something or others and uh... there's a good a good early example of that uh,
1: Christopher Macquarie type filmmaking we were talking about like John McTiernan started out with, as like we're gonna have a fucking thing hunting people in the jungle we'll make it work they changed the monster on two occasions throughout first of all yeah, it was, it was just this like... lobster thing uh, John Van Damme was originally was original supposed to play predator, you know yeah. the idea for the manibles came on a plane James Cameron was on the plane with I think it was Rick Baker who was supposed to be designing mm. the creature and he just happened to mention to him I've always thought like a monster like would, 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 would have good manables but anyway and finally the one i wanted to bring up i was i was do, i've been doing your idea of watching all the craig james Bonds. so i watched quantum of solace i don't want to talk about it because it's as bad as you remember really mm. it's not good
0: but I what o- were the main issues um i remember the shaky cam was
1: no do you know what they, oh, right first of all all the effort they made in kind of daniel craig's performance is kind of lost on that film because it just bursts out of the traps immediately after Casino Royale, and you've kind of got no character work. It's, it's almost like you're watching somebody play a video game sequel to the first one. Um, there's there's one or two sort of memorable scenes in it, but mostly, I mean, it's just go, go, go. You feel like also, there, so there's like the water action scene yeah, and the, the fire mo- action scene, and, oh. the,
0: and it's, it's almost like... It's, Far too constructed, in and I can still I don't understand the water plot, like the kind of baddies. Something about oh
1: right, well, selling that's water? not even the action scene, but yeah, yeah. No, no, I don't mean the action. They're but like the overarching they're, evil they're they're gathering water because water at some point is going to become a scarce resource. Um, which apparently is, is a, a real thing that I don't Foundation. understand. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But fuck Quantum of Solace because I okay. also watched Skyfall and I right. Just want to go on a little bit of a rant. That's surely the best Bond film there is. Surely of all the Bonds of all time. Yeah. I mean, I don't Fuck think I need to rewatch it. First of all, okay, to go through it. You've got Javier Bardeman, Villem Duties, which as you said, is almost cheating. It's just crazy how good he how well he sits into it. But then and okay, the action scenes start to finish amazing really really good uh, the, fi- the final third with the one in the house some people might like it i actually thought it was a bit odd the fr- when i watched it years ago watching it this time yeah the home alone thing but actually the home alone stuff sort of finishes up and it gets into a standard enough sort of action fare. but which is some beautiful shots of exploding houses by night and so forth but then the other elements that i mean might not have been there in other bond films like Roger Deacons shooting it is mm. it's just beautiful like the scenes in Shanghai where they're assassinating people through skyscrapers and all this I don't know how
0: you God, shoot I, I really need to watch it
1: again uh, the, no there's like that. a part where he's under ice and the fire from a house is going through the it's incredible he's got this crazy chemistry as well with Naomi Harris who of course becomes mm. we find out is money penny at the end which I'm surprised they never exploited like if they were wanted to like settle bond down more and go a different direction i'm surprised they they went with that instead of leah sudo who i think it's unanimously agreed upon nobody cared about their relationship but um the naomi harris stuff is great the only unusual thing is at the end there's a scene that, now it might have been because it was the 50th anniversary there's a a scene where like it's just very conventional like a like a connery bond where they walk into the office and she says he's ready for you now and he goes Mm. into meet mallory and it's like oh that's from a connery bond and then as opposed to having the dun 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 at the start they have it at the end and then it says james bond will return and it was almost like a promise like all right we're gonna go back and do like real bonds now but then of course in the next two films they try to expand the mythology as opposed to just go on a mission to mission so one much again. of the
0: bond series is just tied into shit that they set up really early on like 50 years ago mm. just you know ideas like that like walking across the screen and firing and then the blood trickling down just being yeah. tied into all those things is insane gadgets and but i mean yeah. but the thing is
1: like when they (laughs) the fun thing about uh, the great thing about Bond is even when there's a Bond a bad Bond movie is still watchable for having those things Mm. you watch it because you're like oh here's the thing it's not as
0: good as the other time they did that thing but it's still the thing but yeah, it's kind of they're just they're taking it off the checklist and everyone goes, yay. Yeah. And then Daniel the Craig
1: and um, poor Kerry Fukunaga trying to do different things. And, you know, nobody wants it, even though, as we Fair said, not. he came out looking well.
0: Um, anyway, that's what I have to say. Uh, what have you been watching? Well, I went to the, I, the film I saw in the cinema featured Leia Sedu, Seydoux. And, uh, but also a, probably about a billion other people. one of the biggest castlists of all time but I'll just give a shout out to old Lea Seydoux because she did get the lads out she gets the lads out (laughs) she does indeed oh nice posing naked uh, in a prison she's a prison guard I watched the French Dispatch which is uh, it's Wes Anderson by numbers at this point because it is the most Wes Anderson film that ever Wes Anderson Yeah, you, they say this every time he releases a new film at this point. This one is the extreme of that. I mean, he's 52 years old. He's 52 years old. He's still making the same twee film again and again and again. Uh, this I, I wish I'd known a bit more about this before I watched it. It's an anthology film. It's got three separate stories, and it's tied together by Bill Murray's character. Uh, runs this French dispatch. Oh, so oh my god, it's this is so wanky. Even just explaining it now, I'm like, ugh. Uh, he runs this bureau, a French dispatch out of a Kansas, like a Kansas newspaper, and they have all these journalists in France fi- filing stories. It's it a Kansas with him. newspaper? Yes, 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 yes. You, okay. Yeah. You, 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 I think whatever you're imagining is probably correct. I mean, it's like, it's one of those things. It, the film is beautiful. It's it's hmm. the typical Wes Anderson style. It's exactly what you would imagine. It's a love letter to journalism and France. Where Wes Anderson lives. Right, exactly. But the town it's set in is called Ennui sur Blase, which that just hints at the... Uh, the level of, of what's going on here. The framing device is absolutely pointless. Uh, the way that it sets up and tells you basically that there's going to be three stories, I found myself in the middle of the first story going like, oh, no, there's still two more of these. Like, the fact that it laid out what it was going to and do actually good. made it feel longer. Uh, just to give you a very... This is not spoilery. This a very brief overview of what the three stories are. Well, it starts off, you've got Bill Murray is dead at the start, okay? Okay. So he's not even in it, basically. He's in it, he says about three lines, and then it's just talking about this newspaper thing that he created. You've got, the first thing is Owen Wilson cycling around a town. That's not even a story, that's just a little thing. The first story is about Benicio del Toro as a prisoner who's an artist. The second story, I can't even remember. Oh, the second story... Is about Francis McDormand and Timothy Chalamet, and uh, Timothy Chalamet's like a young protester, kind of mm-hmm. political protester kid, and then the final story is about Jeffrey Wright, who is a detective. I want to say, <laughs> I almost fell asleep in the first story, and then I I got jolted awake, and uh, I managed to pay attention for the rest, but oof, I I found it hard going. Okay. I mean, it, it is beautiful, but it's exactly what you would expect. Alexander... Well, you see... Okay. Alexander De Platt has, like, another plink-plonky score. Pierre Bradshaw gave it four stars and said that it was, like, really funny, but...
1: Yeah, like but he I gave no time to think die I five. I I laughed at all. I, like, I just don't trust him. Here's what I would say about... The, okay, so the, the criticism is fairly valid. No, it is and it isn't. I think aesthetically he makes the same film all the time. But I think in, like... I think it only comes across as just shallow and boring where there's no character to hook onto or no real story. Because as recent as the Grand Budapest Hotel, I, th- I actually, I found that. I know sto- you're, yeah, you're a big fan of that. I right? found that story like quite moving. And I thought Ray, uh, Ray Fiennes' character and the way he sort of viewed the world had something like original to say and all the quirkiness and everything like that. I haven't liked any film he's oh, he's only made two films since that, right? I love dogs and mm-hmm. um, this and I haven't uh, I haven't seen this and I did not like I love dogs.
0: I think I liked I love dogs more than this potentially. And I didn't like I love dogs either. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm I pr- this is not a I'm terrible not going to make
1: an effort to see this. I barely I was, I was so jaded by the time I saw Grand Budapest Hotel, like I barely saw it I just made a mind and said, oh, well, let's go to the cinema let's go see that thing, and I just about like went into it, it had been in the cinema for a while and I was like, oh my god, this is why I like this guy at the start, because I love The Royal Tenenbaums, I genuinely I have a lot of love for that film, I love Rushmore I think that's yeah, fantastic same, same, but yeah they're, they're, like, I've, I suppose the Darjeeling Limited would have left me a little bit cold uh, I didn't mind that i i i think i felt like it was a film that aggressively little happened in Um, Well, then you're you're
0: gonna love the french dispatch
1: (laughs) (laughs) anyway yeah okay i won't be knocking on the door this one anytime soon i'll I'll definitely take your word for it sounds not good
0: yeah well i i don't want to be too harsh i i just i was not in the right frame of mind for it i was looking for uh, a functioning narrative structure if I'd known a bit more about the film, I think it's worth bearing in mind what it is prior mm. to watching it. I, I genuinely think that would have helped me if I'd known what it was. That it, as, I, as I keep repeating, it's exact, I mean, it's, it's beut- it is it's beautiful. Mm. The, the, the attention to detail, like all of his other films, is mm. just on you know several levels. Do you like um, The Life Aquatic? Else. No, I never took to that one yeah i did not appreciate that film at all i didn't uh,
1: dislike it but i just thought it was the I, one I, of the most I, fucking yeah. bizarre
0: films i've ever seen I, I i watched it once or twice and I, I did not enjoy that film for me it's rushmore tenenbaums and then uh mr fox fantastic mr fox who is, is my other of the yeah, I like three. mr fox too yeah yeah so it's some strong these are all films with uh with actual narrative functioning narratives But there you go. Uh, What else have I... I'm halfway through season two of The Wire. My favorite season. Solid. It's going quite well. I watched the first episode of Midnight Mass, the Mike Flanagan show. Have you finished that now? I finished it. Yeah. First episode, I like it, but this might actually relate to Black 47 a little bit. As a non-Catholic and a person who doesn't (laughs) care about religion at all, (laughs) take the fucking soup, motherfuckers. I don't care. Um, but yeah, I'll see where it goes. I'll see where it goes, but it didn't... The first episode hasn't captured my imagination in the same way that some other uh, Mike Flanagan works have. Have you like read or thing.
1: heard any interviews with Flanagan talking about it?
0: No, uh, well, a very... You, you in particular, I think... What, which, the sober thing? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's about sobriety and yeah. atheism, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but atheism is not something that I came to later in life. No, that's fair. I was I was raised Protestant, aka atheist. That's one Uh, thing that I always find fucking crazy about when people say, um, (laughs)
1: "Because I've been Catholic my whole life, but I've never really been." (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like when people go, "Oh, eventually, I found you know I've atheism," and I was
0: like, "What?" So you believe the other stuff before? Are you kidding me? (laughs) I just thought we were Catholic. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a fair point. But I still feel like you're into. Art that deals with people struggling with faith or overcoming—I don't know—I—I I, I might be reading no, too much into. No, I don't. I, it, don't
1: I don't. Co- I, like I don't. I like leftovers. To that in fairness, but
0: um, so I don't
1: connect to that. I, to me, that still does kind of feel bizarre because I—I I, I suppose what I can do is I can just accept that it exists, like almost. <laughs> <laughs> Almost like the force in Star Wars. I can accept that people are kind of into that. Be- and the thing is, like for me, as I've told you before, like I'm, I'm actually interested in religions. Like I, do, like I, I know a, a smattering about each of them. Um, no, not each of them. Uh, a few of them. But I, I generally would have an in- t- taken interest in them. But I've never been close to faithful, or, or as they say,
0: you know, yeah, tell your wife. Hey. Anyway, hey now. Right, so I think that uh, wraps up the What We've Been Watching section. I think we can talk about uh, this week's film. So the the previous toss picks, we had to choose films from our own countries. I chose Outlaw King, which I'll probably never watch at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's gone. Can't really be bothered Netflix anyway. <laughs> film about Robert <laughs> yeah, exactly, I'm all right. I'm good. I was just going to watch it because, yeah, why not? But So you selected this film, Black 47, directed by Lance Daly. Yes. He Lance Lance Daly. That's uh, that's that's what I do. That's that's my <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's, that's my shaggy okay. you're style. The,
1: you're, I, I must yeah. I didn't for some reason in all my clicking about on this film, I I never actually did.
0: never went to old Lance Daly. No. He's uh, he's mostly worked in Irish films. He appeared as a kid in The Commitments, like everyone else in Ireland. <laughs> was anyone was anyone not in The Commitments who <laughs> was alive in 1991 or whatever? Great film. Uh, I've, don't know if I have not if I think I must have watched it, but a long, long time ago. Uh, Lance Daly had has had one Hollywood gig. He made the Good Doctor in 2011, starring Orlando Bloom mm. and Michael Pena. Nice, better than Orlando Bloom. Yeah, that was his like his one real shot. I assume after this, he's gonna get a, he's gonna get something else. I feel like this was. This was critically well-received. It made a lot of money in Ireland. It did very poorly in the US. I read uh, some articles about uh, Which is interesting, because they're normally, they're normally... They love Irish suffering. That's exactly mm. right. I, it makes sense, because uh, obviously people in Ireland liked it, and it definitely... Well, you can speak to how it, what it says about the Irish mentality or experience. I, d- I saw the yeah. film getting bashed in some places for being biased. The telegram. Which I thought I mean, was quite funny. That
1: is funny. I mean, I'll get into that in a little bit, but it's, <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. I, but about, as regards the Irish mentality, I think there's certain incidents in history where I'm okay with the Irish mentality uh, like that. I like. I think, I've said this before, there's a film by John Michael McDonough called Calvary that I think d- deals with the Irish sort of uh, I still haven't watched that. Very, very well. I identified massively with that film. it just, just a kind of an issue I had with the way Irish people thought about uh, themselves. who was niggling, niggling at me for years. I watched that film and I went, that's fucking it. But I think when you're telling uh you know a w- an a would be western set in the great famine, which was for all intents and purposes kind of a genocide, i think yeah, <laughs> I think it's all right to take a kind of a narrow view of history when it comes to that kind of thing
0: Well, I think what I found interesting about the film was it it was interesting. To see it from the point of view of like a villain, of a, of, of like a villainous character, yes. a terrorist acting against the forces who were just trying to bring order, what should they talk- order to chaos. And we had to, we were supposed to support this. This yeah, yeah. "quote-unquote" freedom fighter—it's ridiculous. Are you talking about Hugo? Science Wien? fiction? No, no, I'm talking about <laughs> I'm talking about James Freshville's character. Oh, yeah. It was just—it was strange to see things from like we're we're supposed to we're, we see things from this you know point of view of this bad man, this bad character. Oh, you're being
1: funny. I guess. Yeah, it. yeah. I was I was,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was suggesting that he's <laughs> the English are the goodies.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Very good. Very nice. Um. Funny thing, actually, the film kind of takes the a, a little bit of the plot structure from um, the Wild Hart. Bunch.
0: <laughs> I was going to say Braveheart. No, the Wild Bunch. Because in, in, in what? Because they fought together. or something? Yeah,
1: and now they're now uh, they've basically got your man Hugo Weaving's character in a vice, and they're making him go after James Freshville's character.
0: A lot of the Scottish, like a lot of Scottish reviews that I read, mm. said. Uh, it's the Irish Braveheart, which it totally fucking isn't, you moron. <laughs> like that's a <laughs> stupid thing to say,
1: <laughs> isn't it? Though
0: there's some there's some elements where I was like, yeah, okay, I I, I can see. I mean, you're selling it as a western, I guess. But you do have like the oh, Eng- it totally is a spaghetti western. I guess not just you, a regular western; it's a spaghetti western. But you've got the similar things of like the English going like full bastard, and the guy coming back after having fought for them, and then look if you're going to say his family if you're going to say every
1: f- every historical depiction of the English going full bastard is the <laughs> something braveheart. You're going to be <laughs> fucking here all day. I mean, it was a fucking <laughs> colored history. Um, but no, uh, like the way the English are in this is exactly like fucking take your pick. Usually the Mexican army in a spaghetti western. The problem western. with
0: Ireland is that it's full of
1: Irish. <laughs> But, like, no, no, I mean, that's a, like, uh, it's just a
0: lazy criticism. It is a, it is a lazy criticism, but this is coming from, like, the Scotsman or some other high-class uh, journalist. Like the, it's uh, not coming from the French dispatch, the, the, that's a, like, okay? Yeah, that's like, the the, the the Telegraph saying, oh, it's got a biased view of history.
1: It's like, what are you talking about?
0: <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> there were there were good people on both sides of the conflict, <laughs> I think you'll find. So. Well,
1: that's what Barry Keown is representing in this film.
0: Yes, yeah, he's, uh, he's uh, he, he, he has some problems. So I want to do a, a
1: famine explainer. Uh,
0: Please, yeah, yeah. So here, okay, first thing. First my, th- I, I have a question first okay, of all. Okay, go. But what name do you know this uh, famine? The like, Irish famine, the famine, the, okay, okay. the great hunger. Okay, do you actually? I don't know. I've been on Wikipedia a bit. But I what, would have said the, you... Irish, the, the Irish, the great famine probably. I would, would have said have? the Irish famine or the great famine. Okay, yeah, no, no, I'm just something. Can we like call that? it the great famine? Right, that's probably what I would have said. Mm. Yeah, my question is: uh, from reading around, I saw that Black Forty Seven was like the name given for this because it was like specifically the worst time of the famine. It's it was the like a really year bad of the year. Famine, yeah, is it not a shit name for a film? Could the name be? Ba- I just mean like in terms of. Hmm i maybe you have a like a stronger connection to it because it could be something like being Irish that you've heard a lot. I'd it's never heard of that before, and I just to see for me as like a casual viewer to see something called Black Forty Seven, it it does sound. I'm like, what the hell is this?
1: I mean, it's a good point because Bla- it's not mentioned in the film. Um, maybe at the very start, do they say something about they have it? Have a title card. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, it's a good point. I suppose it would have a... like Irish people would connect to the title, for sure. Um, if you just want to sell it in Ireland, which it did really well in Ireland. I mean, it made yeah, a lot it of money. Yeah, it was a big
1: splash in Ireland, like culturally and yeah. financially.
0: I just think, like, taking it overseas, you should probably call it. But then I was thinking, what would you call it? I'm thinking Irish Braveheart. It's <laughs> a good name. Potato heart. Oh, God. <laughs> there we go. That's it. You win. That's, <laughs> That's a new title. So, I mean...
1: Where do you start? One million dead, 2.1 million emigrated. A lot of people died on the ships. uh, because uh, The landlords, to get people off the land, uh, like invested in these would-be slave ships. So a lot of people died on those of disease and so forth. So
0: the landlords wanted people to get off the land because they wanted to rent it to English people or something. No,
1: they wanted to change it all into um, grasslands for cows.
0: And then they were going to export that cattle... To England or something, yeah, Is that for sure, plan, for basically?
1: sure. No, like, they, but they were exporting food throughout the famine as well. That's one of the angles from which it's viewed as a genocide.
0: I like how people still trust. Like, some people still think that the UK government <laughs> has
1: got their best interests at heart. <laughs> well, like, so yeah, the crop failed by blight due to basically poor farming and no education, subdivision of land. So fa- Irish people weren't allowed to own land, so they would rent it and every family would have uh, their children and it would be the land would be divided up amongst the sons daughters married off or stay look after the parents or, or and if the sons Sometimes the sons would bugger off and work in factories in England and so forth. So the land just divided, 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 and all they did was grow potatoes on it, which basically causes malnutrition in the land. So eventually the crop failed because you're supposed to rotate your crops. Right? Because they, you know, they were uneducated. They didn't know uh, know about things like this because they weren't allowed to get an education either. It was literally illegal. So then. There was like hedge schools, like Irish people who didn't know anything, but the church took over some education as well, which had its own problems too. So then Black 47 was the year that the, um, what they call, there's another the proper name for it, but what they call the poor tax, which was basically... Uh, they raised rent on all the properties so that they could legally evict all the tenants and just convert it into land for cattle. Now, the there were two approaches from the UK government. So the Tories tried the the, the Indian Corn Act, where the rebellion, rebellions corn, they shipped all this corn into Ireland. I was so scared of Irish people listening to this and me getting stuff wrong. <laughs> hey, uh,
0: totally, listen, you're, you're explaining this to someone who knows nothing about it. I'll take your version as do, fact. Do do do, thank
1: you. Um and but These are Irish facts, mills folks. Irish mills were it was like an American corn and Irish mills weren't equipped to grind it up properly at all. So a lot of it went to waste, didn't couldn't feed people people pro- couldn't feed people properly, so that was kind of a failure. And then the Whig response to it was a sort of a laissez-faire economics approach. So they stopped shipping food to Ireland and just said, look, the market is God. It'll sort itself out. And that's fucking Whigs. That's where the real fucking genocide comes in. Uh, as featured in the film. So you're saying
0: the Labour Party is responsible for this? Pretty
1: much. <laughs> As, and as you can see in the film, there were Protestant soup kitchens became a big booming thing whereby you become a Protestant and you get your soup. So there's that.
0: That's mad to me that like to have that level of faith that in some way you wouldn't take the soup. I had to look that up. I didn't know anything about mm. it because I'm speaking as someone who was, I was raised, I was raised in the soup. <laughs> I was formed in soup. <laughs> so I, I don't understand people not wanting the soup. I would... Yeah, i'll take yeah. the soup it's almost I'll like take soup uh, all
1: day it's almost like you know were there telephones at that time you know somebody phones the pope It's like what they're doing what, what? no guys take the soup, <laughs> yeah, take the exactly. soup. it doesn't matter live it's live fine. your life so yeah yeah loads of naughty stuff by the english going on there um
0: thankfully those days are done exactly questions well uh, how's your irish
1: uh, I surprised I understood all the Irish in the film. Mm. I could not produce it at this point. There was a time I spoke Irish well enough. Um, that time is gone, but I was I was surprised by how much I understood.
0: What did you think of James Freshville's Irish cuz he's Australian?
1: Grand. His Irish was fine, sounded fine. I thought his no, accent was well fine. Done to him. I'm a, I don't know why they cast two Australians in the lead.
0: Hmm. Well, with Hugo Weaving, he does have a great face. He's a, he's actually English.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know he was born in England, but right, was well, spent he was most born in
0: uh, Nigeria, oh, colonial right. Nigeria. There you are, now. But didn't he spend most of his life in Australia? He went to school in England and then also went to school in Australia, mm. and so he grew he grew up in some of the time in the south of England. But yeah, he spent most of his life in Australia.
1: But th- so then, um, your man Freshfield. My only theory would be. Is like they couldn't find a successful
0: enough Irish actor who'd be
1: willing to lose the weight or something like that. I mean,
0: he has a he has a great face. He just has a really kind of I don't know. Very good for face. this role anyway. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. perfect for this. They could have put old Barry Keoghan in the role.
1: I don't think so. I I, I think Barry Keoghan looks perpetually like a child. Or else, yeah, he's like, like twenty eight now. Or, or else, something. like somebody
0: that you don't trust. Is this this is? I might have to cut this, but is he half Chinese? No, he's I, don't, I don't believe so. <laughs> he's got Asian
1: face. <laughs> uh, I for the I think Barry Keoghan's a fucking amazing actor.
0: Um, am... yeah, I like him. I think he's really good. It's uh, when I heard him in some interviews, I was like, he's Irish. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I was shocked because I like, was like, is he English? Is him he from in, the US? Um, the Killing of a Sacred I still, deer. Haven't seen, still haven't seen oh, it. Right. Still oh haven't God. seen it. He's I'm going to watch it. fucking
1: amazing in that. Mm. So yeah, this is, uh, before we get on to other stuff, I would I'd just like to say, it, it, it's like, okay, any accusations of a biased view of history, they should take on board, first, of all, what a lazy, stupid criticism again, but this is a spaghetti Western. And I'm sure they thought about that when they were writing it and directing it. You can hear it in the soundtrack. It's a spaghetti western.
0: Maybe more of like a gnocchi western, right?
1: Maybe, yeah. Potatoes. Indeed, yeah, I got it. Nice. Um, So So you've got your, like, first of all, the the famine provides a good backdrop for the spaghetti western because spaghetti western is, you know, I mean, one of its um, big markers is just there's a very low value on human life um it's quite it's quite episodic like an awful lot of uh, spaghetti western films there's the social commentary is built into it um, but like a very harsh social commentary and spaghetti westerns are all about that, like, you know, the bad... or uh, Jim Broadbent's Landlord is straight out of a spaghetti western film, just that, like like the magistrate in Once Upon a Time mm. in, in the West, for example. Um, and it's also got that whole prodigal son returning and there's trouble afoot kind of thing. But one, the one thing, like, I suppose what makes it interesting, what makes it an interesting um, subversion of the genre, is there's only one big change. I think there's only one big change, and that is that I think this might be the most miserable color palette I've ever seen in a film.
0: Yeah, it's. I like that. That's uh, one thing I really liked about it. They managed to capture this washed-out look. You, I really got a sense that it was of the time periods mm. of what I imagined. Yeah, yeah. 1847 yeah. looked like is sure. fucking miserable. For sure, yeah, yeah. I think they nailed it. Cold, that. horrible. You see people freezing to death mm. and you're like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they did well. It cost nine uh, nine million euros, is what I could see. It was half it was semi funded by uh, Luxembourg, Film Fund Luxembourg. I saw that too, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I thought they spent the money well.
1: Yeah. I mean the I mean w- like if you're making a period movie like you know yeah spend your money on detail basically Mm
0: -hmm. and tampons absolutely that's uh, i was thinking uh, (laughs) along the same lines yeah i I thought the film uh, so to give my overall opinion on the film it was interesting it's like the irish famine uh is something that i didn't and probably still don't know anything about but i think it was a i uh, i can see why so some of the arguments about this not being successful in the u.s are that it's such like a uh, such a miserable time period mm. that people were like uh, I don't want to be faced with this. I personally love that as a backdrop. <laughs> I love seeing Irish people starve to death as a backdrop to any film. Did you enjoy where. the film? I liked it. Uh, I liked it. I think um, the last thirty minutes I felt it ran out of steam. I wasn't a fan of the ending. I didn't like where it went. Yeah. <sighs> And the very last shots of the film, I thought I was like, okay, come on now, that's like a little bit on the nose. It's not very subtle.
1: I suppose we can, yeah, we'll get to that when we talk plot. Yeah, yeah, Um,
0: yeah. I liked the characters. Uh, I liked, uh, I liked everyone. I would say I mm -hmm. thought the uh, the acting performances were solid. The violence, the violence is interesting. Yeah, Stephen Ray is solid. The violence is good. Uh, Freshwell with his his kukri knife, but. It is interesting. I can't think of other films off the top of my head where they had like muskets and that type of thing of firing one shot and then you need to reload. Proper, uh, Doing yeah. it properly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. it yeah. really affects how how violent you can be if you're like, oh shit, I shot my one shot and now I'm done. And how many misfires are there in this yeah, film? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. oh
1: my God, fire There's up. A, but, but, you, like need a, to,
0: you need to keep your powder dry.
1: I read an interview with um, some of the writers, and that like that issue is addressed, and they're like, "Well, yeah, yeah, we the appa- apparently this is what they say: the percentage of shots that misfire is the percentage of shots that would have misfired with those type of mm-hmm. types of weapons."
0: Yeah, they don't look like the most reliable. Bradshaw gave this four stars, OPE Brads, as you would expect. So this and the French Dispatch are of equal quality, according to Peter Do you. Think if Bradshaw. you work
1: for the Guardian. And there's a film about the English being baddies. You're just giving an, giving an obligatory rating that you have to give the film and write around it by you. own. You
0: you, you'd think so, but the other um, Guardian, there's another Guardian review of this. I can't remember her name. She's a lady whose uh, views I've clashed with from time to time. She gave it two stars. Oh. And I think her argument was like, it was about a one paragraph review, and it was like, I <laughs> yeah, didn't like it. No female characters. <laughs> Why did the lady freeze to death? I don't know what she said, but she was not a big fan. I
1: enjoyed it on a level, and I don't know. Yeah, I I do think it lost me a little in the last half an hour. And then I kind of figured, and this is kind of just, I suppose, almost a dull thing to say about it, really, but I uh, I, I found I, I wasn't particularly attached to anybody, and that was an issue for me.
0: I think that could be a problem of having sort of dual protagonists and trying to tie them together. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'd been easier to focus on either Hugo Weaving or James Freshfield, right? as opposed to kind of your, at a certain point, you're not really sure who the main character is. I, I like guess the, There were definitely,
1: with Freshfield's character, there's definitely, because he's got that Western thing going on, there was definitely moments of triumph throughout um like you know in a like a western anti-hero sort of a way like when it like when he rides jim broadbent into the fort uh with the bag <laughs> on his head
0: he rides jim broadbent <laughs> conjured uh, imagery that i don't remember seeing in the film <laughs> fair enough i could have said that better could i have said that better i don't know
1: generally speaking i i quite enjoyed the film but i don't think i'll be watching it again
0: no, I don't need to revisit it, but I would say well done, Lance Daly. Uh, I, hopefully he's going to get something off of the back of this.
1: Yeah, and you know what? I like. <laughs> it's not going to happen, obviously, because it's not like the seventies. But oh God, if a like a subgenre opened up of kind of Irish famine or slash Irish colonial westerns,
0: I would be okay with that. Well, I think if you want to see that done, you might have to make it yourself.
1: There we go, but I mean, I just think the idea of like how lawless Ireland was back then, and the British just like because that that's something that the film actually does capture really well is like in Ireland when it, when Ireland even became independent, you had the Pale, which is if you visit Ireland, the Pale is Dublin. Is this
0: what was this nineteen twenty two you're talking about? Is that when Ireland became independent? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm it was
1: very visually the case back then as well, and the film captures this quite well, which is that. Okay, even if you visit Ireland nowadays, the only European city in Ireland is Dublin. The rest of the cities are like in large towns or whatever, mm. because the English only really like took their foothold um, with enthuse in Dublin, and they liked to live there and so forth. But the rest of it, they were just kind of landlords, and they did, you know, like it. They had country homes there, and they enjoyed the scenery and that but they never made any sort of an attempt to ingratiate or start towns or like colonize properly because you know, the Irish were kind of very wild people like, um, and on account of that outside of Dublin for most of the time that the English had Ireland outside of Dublin was just, just madness and uneducated people and poverty and hunger. And, you know, basically because, you know, the, english foot was on the neck and i think they quite they capture that quite well in the film like,
0: i've still never been to ireland i've really? only been to, yeah, i've been to belfast you should go, it's nice.
1: you'd really like ireland it's beautiful you mm-hmm. love all scenery my aunt and shit lives like in ireland she, she says, says it's, it's quite, quite nice. nice
0: yeah well that i wasn't very impressed with the scenery the scenery in this film reminded me of like the north of scotland i wasn't really aware that ireland had anything approximating hills my lack of knowledge about Ireland is quite shocking <laughs> considering how close it is. It's one of those things. I think it's because Scotland and Ireland are so close to each other. And sort of there's like a kind of cultural similarity that yes. I've, I just haven't ever bothered going. And yeah, I feel like I should. But I, I thought this was a. Have you visited this type of area? It's like. Yes, that'll be Connemara. Connemara, yeah. yeah. It looks nice. I guess it's not hugely far from where you grew up, right? No. I'm a I'm a city slicker myself. Me too. <laughs> I <laughs> okay. have no plans right, to no. move to the country
1: ever. <laughs> I was thinking during the week uh, cuz yeah, I was talking to somebody else who say who was saying that um they might like to uh go and I don't know, they said they'd like to leave the city and um uh work uh, like go to the country or something like that. I was thinking to myself, you see, people say that all the time, but they don't do it. And the thing is if you wanted to go and live in the country, it would be very easy.
0: It's like much cheaper. Yeah, sure. and like I
1: mean, <laughs> you, you you could do it, no
0: problem. So I think a lot of people. Ha- I, I think a lot of people have chosen to go and do that over uh, COVID times.
1: Uh, I don't think so. Not in Spain, anyway.
0: Yeah, maybe not in Spain, but I think in the UK they have really. Yeah, people just
1: moved out of the cities.
0: Yeah, 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 definitely. Or moved to shittier cities. Uh moved to less expensive cities. But no, I think a lot no, of people have moved out to the that, countryside. Not
1: for me. I'll stay in the city.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll pick up the loose scraps that they leave behind. This like is it. a caring rat that I am. Do you want to do a cast? Yeah, so we've got Hugo Weaving as Hannah. Wikipedia describes Weaving as a British actor born in colonial Nigeria to British parents a few months before he gained its independence in 1960. He went to school in both England and Australia. Uh, do you have a favorite Weaving
1: performance? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's got to be um, Agent Smith.
0: Mr. Anderson. Yeah. Also, uh, in
1: a, there's another. There's a. He's in a film with Kate Blanchett called Little Fish, mm. which isn't uh, much seen where he plays a ex um, rugby star drug addict, and he's really, really good in that too. But I just think, um, oh, just how much he chews up that role of Agent Smith is just. I just phenomenal. can't
0: envision him doing a normal performance. He's well, always going way over the top. Uh,
1: I don't think he does in Black Forty Seven. I, he,
0: I don't know. Well, he's doing the character of David Bowie. Well, I don't. I'm okay. I, I can't. I can't do. I can't, I can't do a boy impression, but David. Yeah. I'm, I'm here, and I've come to. We fought together in Afghanistan. I can't do that voice, but we fought he fought together in Afghanistan. He's he's David. definitely doing something of that. Okay, I I swear, I swear.
1: I felt he's more reined in than I've ever seen him in Black Forty
0: Seven. I guess, but it still felt quite. He was reaching. He's creating a character. You're going, Mm. yeah, this is... He's definitely... He's going for something. But anyway, good old Hugo Weavings. We've got uh, James Freshville as Feeny, an Australian. He came to prominence in David Michaud's Animal Kingdom, which I've still not seen.
1: Should I watch Animal Kingdom? You should definitely watch Animal Kingdom. It's a fucking phenomenal film.
0: (sighs) I just... If only I had the time. I guess I do have the time.
1: Seriously. That's one that, like, I don't know. If you enjoy the feeling of your testicles tightening with tension in a film, mm. Animal Kingdom is one for it. Like it's just it's a roller coaster.
0: Well, I well I yeah, I was impressed with James Freshville. I've never seen him before. He does have a, a stark uh white face and uh yeah, I I want to I want to see some more of David Maychode's work. I don't know if I've seen any of his films. Anyway, uh, we've got Jim Broadbent as Lord Kilmichael, the big evil English guy. This is the sixth film of his we've watched on the podcast. Can you name the... uh, Yeah, I know. We've had... This is the sixth film featuring Jim Broadbent that we've talked about on the podcast. Fuck! I know. I I was shocked when I went through the list. I was like, holy hell, how can this be the case? Okay, well, we had
1: our... um, Well, okay, there's Paddington, too.
0: Paddington 2
1: and... Um, did we watch Paddington 1 the same week? Yeah. Oh, that, oh right. Okay, fair enough. Uh, then there was our um, Mike Lee week, which yeah. surely he's in both of those. He's in Vera
0: Drake and Topsy Turvy. You've just got one more. Um, with The film we paired with Zardoz, I think. I don't know. Midgets.
1: Oh. Uh, it's got Midgets in it. it Time Bandits. Time
0: Bad- He's in Time Bandits. There you go. So that's Jim Broadbent's sixth appearance. Jim Broadbent uh, also appeared in The Crying Game with... Stephen Ray. Stephen Ray played Keneally. He was married to Dolores Price for twenty years. An Irish Republican Army car bomber. Stephen Ray, more like Stephen IRA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, that's a. Uh, yeah. he's talked about it very openly. Some sure interesting he has. interviews uh, on, on YouTube. She uh, accused Jerry Adams of being her commanding officer when she was in the IRA.
1: Um. Fair enough. He would deny that strongly. <laughs> he, do, he does. <laughs> Apparently, he does deny it strongly. I don't strongly. think he was ever in the IRA,
0: according well, to Jerry well, Adams. Well, according to her, she uh, she's now a friend of the show. She died in 2013. Are uh, you familiar with this general meme in Irish culture of Jerry uh, Adams denying he was in the IRA? Uh, uh, not of not of the meme. I'm I'm aware that that's something that he's said. Yeah, he's famous for it. <laughs> nice. Anyway, Stephen Ray spoke Adams' words between 1988 and 1994 that's when right. Sinn Fein was under broadcasting ban. Good, yeah. for old, good for old Stephen Ray,
1: yeah, yeah, indeed, I mean it's good for Shin Fein as well because it's a more palatable voice than Jerry Adams um like but um, there's a lot of people who would say you know it would was a striking memory the first time they heard Jerry Adams's voice for that very reason because it was it was always dubbed as an unusual thing um I think Stephen Ray is such a fantastic screen presence, though I've seen him do theater as well, but I just think i i
0: Love him in anything, yeah. I i guess I haven't seen a lot of Stephen Ray performances that come to mind. The a lot of Neil crying Jordan game, films. yeah. Interview with the vampire, stuff like that. But yeah, he's a uh, he is a, I mean, a Neil Jordan ma- man. Uh, Ned, uh, Ned Broy,
1: and Michael Collins would be. Uh, I
0: still haven't most. seen, or maybe I did watch Michael Collins a million years ago, but <sighs> the Irish Braveheart, Michael Collins. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that's more like the Irish Braveheart <laughs> yeah, than, than Black 47, <laughs> yeah. Next, we have Freddy Fox as Pope, Freddy Fox of the Fox family. He's Lawrence Fox's cousin, son of Edward. Edward Fox. I don't know the uh, Fox family. <laughs> well, you know who Lawrence Fox is because he's like, he's like a right-wing figure. No, these I don't days. know. No, you don't know Lawrence Fox? Okay. So, uh, well, Freddy Fox is the son so the of Edward. The look of Freddy Fox. Yeah, that makes he's sense. He's a fox. He's yeah, a, yeah. He is a fox. He's the son of Edward Fox. Edward Fox was in The Bounty. Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lawrence... Wait, 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 wait. So, this is, the Fox family is confusing. Lawrence Fox is the brother-in-law of Richard Aoyadi. Okay. So... The brother of his wife? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Fox family is very is confusing. So, you've got Emilia Fox... Is f- <laughs> I'm confused about why we have to learn about. on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I find then I'm gonna no, take no, all no, that. No, 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 please. No, 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 I'm taking, I'm taking that out. So I'm starting again. <laughs> <laughs> the Fox family's insane. I just can't believe you don't know who Lawrence Fox is. No, I don't. That's mad. As a a man who's you know clearly a right-wing figure yourself. It's insane. You don't know who Lawrence yeah, Fox so imagine is. is. I'm going to start again. we don't again. share
1: pen friends. Uh,
0: Lawrence no, let me, Fox. Let me start again. Okay. So we've got Freddie Fox as Pope, Freddie Fox of the Fox family. <laughs> we, we, we talked about acting dynasties in the past. The Fox yes. family is a massive one. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Edward Fox, James Fox, Lawrence Fox, who's a bit of an insane right-wing figure these days. Emilia Fox, who dated Vic Reeves and was married to professional Donatella and lookalike Jared Harris, <laughs> Lawrence Fox's sister Lydia is married to Richard Al Yadi. Freddie Fox was head boy at his London preparatory school for boys. Yeah, he looks nerd. He that's looks it. Nothing more to add to about old Freddie Fox. We've got Barry. How do you say? It? Is it Barry Keoghan? Keoghan. Keon. That's not how. That's not what it says on Wikipedia. It says yeah, I know. Keoghan. As Hobson, in 2020, he was listed at number 27 on the Irish Times' list of Ireland's greatest film actors. Who do you think was number one on, on, this, on the Irish Times' list of the uh, greatest Irish film actors of all time? Well, it's got to be
1: Daniel Day-Lewis.
0: Daniel Day-Lewis was number two. Number one was a lady who died in 2015.
1: Ah, uh, Well, then that's horseshit. She was in
0: Alfred Hitchcock and John Ford films. She became the queen of Technicolor in various swashbuckling uh, adventures. Maureen O'Hara is number one. Richard Harris, your dad, is number three. That's Peter O'Toole, enough. Colin Farrell. <laughs> Sersha Ronan in at six. Fair enough. But yeah, yeah do, uh, no, uh, Daniel De Lewis is number one. Don't well, be silly. By the time you get down to 27, you're on um, Barry Keown's. So uh, as you're starting to run out of Irish people when you get down there, you've got like yeah. But uh, I suppose
1: this would be sort of crystal my... diode <laughs> 39. But I suppose this would be sort of my point. Uh, Jonathan
0: Reese Myers with the um.
1: This would be sort of my point with uh, Freshville in the lead It's like Ireland yeah. is a great country for actors. Like why not? I don't know. Michael understand. Fassbender. Michael Fassbender
0: would have made sense. It probably didn't want to do it. No, no, probably not know. enough money for him. Barry Keoghan's mother was a heroin addict and died of an overdose when he was twelve. He spent seven years in foster care. Jesus, he's a he, he's he's a real one. He's a real G. He'll soon be seen in both Marvel and DC properties. Eternal. That's right, and, and, and the he's
1: Batman. Just, he's just wrapped on. Um, oh, Mike, he's, uh, Martin McDonough's latest film as well. Um, he's uh, doing wrapping now, is he? That should be good. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> a Martin McDonough film that will reunite Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson and Barry Kewns in it well what, do you know anything more about that it's about two men who are friends and then one of them
0: suddenly just breaks off the friendship <laughs> it sounds, it's an interesting it's not what I was expecting but okay uh, I mean, <laughs> it's a plot no, I presume it's, it's Mark McDonough and you're signed up already, no? Sure, Yay. Of course, absolutely. Uh, and plus, yeah. it's
1: got Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson together again. If
0: it's got some billboards in it, or if they, if they go to Bruges, then I'm on board. But if it's all psychopaths, I'm not. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll see.
1: Maybe it's because obviously he did a lot. Like Colin Farrell would have said himself, when he, he, he first went to Hollywood and he became um, friendly with loads of directors and producers, he would just do people's movies. So mm. he ended up doing, you know, he's done a
0: fair bit of shit as well. Yeah, but he, like, he sorted himself out at a certain point, I think. Uh, how do you mean? Mm, chose um, roles a bit more carefully. Yeah, like, yeah, no, um, totally. It was a totally. period where I think he was just doing any old shit. And, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, um, but uh, my God, he's a fucking good actor. Like, he's really deeply a great, great performer. And um, I part- like, like, I recommended it on last week's podcast, I think I'll say it again. The North Water, the miniseries he did this year with Jack O'Connell and Stephen Graham is wow. And he is a colossus in it.
0: You don't get to be number five in the Irish Times list of the 15 (laughs) greatest Irish (laughs) film actors (laughs) without being really good. Uh, Oh, by the way, Black 47 won two Irish uh, Film and Television Awards. That reminded me of Limmy talking about winning Scottish BAFTAs. (laughs) Have you seen that clip where he's like... (laughs) I'm sure they had to post them to them because nobody fucking showed up. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen that clip of Limmy going like, look at these, these are my two... Let's go into his BAFTAs. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stick that in the show, notes. This is worth do, watching. Do. Should we go into the plot? Do. So Hannah, weaving, is a veteran of the British Army who's working as an investigator for the Royal Irish Constabulary, RIC. While drunkenly interrogating a member of the Young Islander Irelander movement, Hannah loses his temper over the prisoner's refusal to identify his accomplice, accomplices and strangles him. He is subsequently arrested and sentenced to hang. Right, so, I have an issue with this. Yes, me too.
1: Uh, I just I just think that's kind of bad plotting. I can understand, like, you need to get him into the position of they need to hang him, but why have him do something as grossly unsympathetic as throttle a man to death in custody? Agreed. I didn't get it. Because you could have re- made it a more noble crime of some yes. sort. Uh, yeah, stupid, as far as I'm concerned, because up, then up until... They make a twist later in the film where they're like, oh, we're on his side now. I'm confused because I'm like, but he's a villain. We saw him throttle that guy. Yeah.
0: Anyway, They really positioned him as like a a baddie who wants to throttle Irishman to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then later on, you're like, no, actually, he's all right. He's on our side. Yeah, they went way too far with that. I don't know what the what's the alternative crime that they could have done.
1: Oh, fucking loads of shit. I mean, it's like something you're in, noble. Yeah, you're in Western world. You make something up. Like maybe he, maybe he shot a fucking English landlord or something like that. Or maybe he shot like st- over some honor type. Yeah, thing. yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it, I just thought that. Was, I don't. Yeah. I,
0: Strangling a, a young Irish. I would
1: genuinely that would be the first were I interviewing the writers of this film, that would be the first question I would ask. Why that? I don't yeah. get it.
0: Martin Feeney Martin Feeney, Freshville, is a former Connit Ranger. Connit mm-hmm. right? Ranger. Who served in Afghanistan Afghanistan? Is that correct? <laughs> Afghanistan. <laughs> and and India. And who's returning to Connemara in the west of Ireland in eighteen forty-seven. That's like the name of that's like the name of the film. On his arrival home, the country is experiencing the worst year of the Great Famine. Feeney finds his mother has died of starvation and his brother has been hanged, having stabbed a bailiff during his family's eviction. Feeney stays with Ellie, played by Sarah Green, I think she's called. I didn't mention her at all. His brother's widow, who's squatting with her three children in one of the few houses still standing, and makes plans to emigrate to America and take his brother's family with him. Before they can leave, agents of the local Anglo-Irish landlord and members of the RIC arrive to remove them from the cottage. During the eviction, the house roof is destroyed, Feeney is arrested and his nephew is killed. Feeney is brought for interrogation by the RIC, but manages to kill his captors and burns down their barracks. He returns to the house to find his sister-in-law and her daughter have died of exposure following a snowfall this it's is a ton uh, of plotting there
1: so yeah yeah they, like this kind of um by this point uh, watching it i was thinking of um there's a an irish comic novel called uh, the poor mouth by a guy called Flan o'brien have you ever heard of Flan o'brien no very funny novelist he only wrote three three books and they're like all hilarious uh genuinely really funny so this, this his one uh, the poor mouth was um a satire of like Miserable Irish fiction, and it's about a man who's born in this remote uh, region of Ireland, where it never stops raining, and like the horses all have limps, and it's just just everybody's like it's just the worst scenario. And in the like in the in the book, he manages to get to a different part of Ireland where it's not so miserable, and he he subsequently it's very postmodern fiction actually. He subsequently realizes, oh, all the Irish stories are said in this part of Ireland where everything's <laughs> horrible um but yeah yeah it reminded me of that because this is a a horrific series of events but in that estimation exactly like a spaghetti western as well this mm-hmm. is how spaghetti westerns work just horrors and horrors and horrors and then we'll get to the vengeance
0: yeah i still see it more as like the brave hearty type thing i i guess i'm not as familiar with westerns as you are like you i know you're a lot more into the old particular spaghetti, spaghetti ones. Westerns, yeah the Italian oh, yeah, i'll ones. be quite into that the destruction of the barracks draws the attention of British authorities who suspect Feeney is responsible. Feeney is revealed to have deserted the Rangers in Calcutta. And Pope, or Freddie Fox, an arrogant British officer is assigned to apprehend him with the aid of Hannah, who served with Feeney in Afghanistan. The, a lot of the Wikipedia entry on the film is just talking about, like, this part is historically inaccurate because when yeah, yeah, they yeah. went to Afghanistan, it was 1839.
1: yeah whatever, whatever. Uh, i did they do drop out a little bit of plot that will hopefully um fill in here as well
0: is compelled to assist in the hunt with the promise he shall be spared the noose although his fail mm-hmm. although his feelings are conflicted as feeney saved his life during the war they are joined by the young idealistic english private hobson kione and later hire keneally stephen ira a knowledgeable local to act as an irish translator they track Feeney as he hunts down those he blames for the deaths of his family, a local rent collector, the judge who sentences his brother, and a Protestant preacher who's inflicting superism by offering soup to the starving on condition they convert. I don't know. Do you want to break down those three individual moiders? Yeah, I mean, they mentioned the barracks as well. Mm. There's. I enjoyed the, that scene, scene where, yeah, he yeah. like he's got his kukri knife thing that he's slashing the shit out of people oh, yeah, breaks yeah. out of the barracks and i and... felt like the
1: um the the violence felt like very physical and as opposed to like trained fighters like mm. fucking desperate men desperate by the times using everything in their strength to kill the other person like it felt very real that the soup kitchen scene is great <laughs> I thought yeah that's, that's quite funny as, as, and i thought that's very um Oh I'll say that. that's very western. That's very laconic kind of man with no name sort of stuff. Yeah, he yeah, just sits yeah. down and is like, Yeah, I'm gonna fucking eat this soup right now. And you can do what you want, but I'm eating it. Uh so I like that too, yeah.
0: The local rent collector, I guess that was the one where he cut off the pig's head and put it on his body. Yeah. That was fun. Mm-hmm. The judge he uh he hangs. But I like the judge kind of Oh, it's know, so it's incidental to hang the, hanging just of the go, judge. <laughs> They're passing leaving the town was like, Oh, it's fucking judge hanging from a window there. But I just, I like the the arrogance of the judge she just going like, you know, just please, please leave, sir. <laughs> 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 You're going to die. Yeah. So kills all those people. Good job. Well done him. Pope's group catch up with Feeney at the home of Cronin, uh, the land agent who oversaw his, oversaw his family's eviction, but he escapes after Hobson fails to shoot him when he has the chance. Yes. Yeah, I think uh, I think what worked quite well in this film, you've got various set pieces where you need to understand the geography of each of the locations yes. for the action to make sense, and yes, it always yes. does.
1: It always does. Yeah. Um, and I think they use the limitations of the guns to great effect. We mentioned mm. that already, but even like how smoky it all gets all of a sudden yeah. and, you know,
0: peeking through the cracks to shoot people and things. I, I, you, have, I think you have to measure your shots. Mm. If you fire, you fuck up your shot. It's so funny. And you fires give away your shot.
1: position and like, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You fire, like if you fire a shot and your gun doesn't go off or you miss. That other person's got like 30 seconds to <laughs> do, do you know what they want. you know what's so
1: funny as well? is like when people's guns fuck up, the look
0: on people's faces, <laughs> they do that really well. It's like, oh shit, oh no. Yeah. Yep, just as well, Alec Baldwin wasn't in this film. Oh. Reason- <laughs> Reasoning that Feeney's next target is the landlord, Lord Comichael, the group travels to the estate house to warn him, putting a large bounty on Feeney's head and surrounding himself with armed police led by the violent Sergeant Fitzgibbon Kilmichael vows to accompany his grain harvest to the railway station where it will be shipped abroad.
1: Yeah, he has great chats with Stephen Ray as yeah,
0: well. Yeah, him and Stephen Ray sitting down in front of the fire and he's uh, Lord Kilmichael, Jim Broadbent, talking about how Irish women are, are not, the, not that hot. Yeah, he's like, this Stephen... one almost looks like an English lady. <laughs> and Stephen Ray saying, listen, if you had to fucking live in this shit pile... You mightn't be all looks as well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. Yeah he he makes some he makes some salient points which a hundred and seventy odd years later still <laughs> carry some resonance. <laughs> I get it. Listen, uh, it's Scotland, you know, we're in Barcelona right now. I get it, folks. You you need sun. You need sunlight. That's all I'm saying. Bit of vitamin a bit D. Of sunlight. Get some vitamin D, baby. Outraged by the sight of people starving outside the gates, Hobson threatens a policeman's life to allow the starving people crowded outside the Garda gates to enter for food. Although Hannah and Pope try to reason with him, Hobson is shot dead by Fitzgibbon and the police. Fuck that Fitzgibbon, by the way. Yeah. He's just a he's a fucking he's a traitor. Yeah, yeah, he is yeah. a fucking sellout piece of did shit. He,
1: did you see how fat he is compared to the other Irish people? Yeah, he's fuck been, you.
0: He's, that, that guy is f- full of soup. He's all soup. Kilmichael, accompanied by the armed police and the remainder of Pope's posse, stays at an inn en route to Dublin. Feeney attacks in the night but falls for a trap set by Pope, who's sleeping in Kilmichael's bed. Yeah. When Hannah... Yeah, I like that. Although, you know, uh, Pope Freddie Fox is just... He's too much of like a... Ha-ha, I've got you now. Ha-ha. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's uh, I've got you now. You know, poncy English
1: bad guys like Jason Isaacs in The Patriot, for example. Uh, same species. He's
0: the most evil man ever.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's pretty bad.
0: We'll put you in the church and yeah, burn yeah, you yeah,
1: now. Yeah. But, uh, fucking... I mean... I w- like, the, the thing is, in movies, those guys always get their comeuppance. But, yeah. I mean, history shows that guys like that <laughs> won all the time. Yeah, right. They're, they're still winning. They stay <laughs> winning.
0: That's what the government is. When Hannah cannot bring himself to shoot him, Feeney is able to escape again. They're boys now. As he flees, Feeney takes Laura Kilmichael as a hostage, and Hannah's arrested by Fitzgibbon. <sighs> The following morning after, this is, to me, this is where it falls apart a little okay. bit. Is the, the remainder of the film from this point onwards is where I'm like, eh. Yeah, the following morning after he refuses to speak under interrogation, Hannah's brought out to the yard to be summarily executed by firing squad, but is saved when Feeney attacks. Oh, you see, I
1: like this scene.
0: Is this... I mean, this is... I'm guessing this is, this is quite Spaghetti like, Western. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is, is very yeah. Western. I yeah. agree with that. After the soldiers shoot him from his horse, they are stunned to find out that they have instead killed Lord Colmichael. Yeah, this in is the a Western the most obvious move. fucking turnaround ever, but fair play, who had been dressed in Feeney's clothes and mounted on his horse. Also, the
1: soundtrack at this point is is doing an,
0: a Neo Morricone impression to the bones. In the chaos, the Starvelings... Is that a word? The starvelings storm the yard and take the grain.
1: No, I think they made up one there. (laughs) Starvelings. I don't think that's a thing.
0: I killed the the (laughs) men, the women and the starvelings. Uh, Yeah, the starvelings storm the yard and take the grain. A number of local bounty hunters turn against Kilmichael's men and Hannah is freed by Keneally. Fitzgibbon shoots Feeney but is choked unconscious in a brawl. Hannah steals a horse and attempts to get the wounded Feeney to safety but Feeney is shot fatally by Pope and dies shortly after their escape. As he is dying, he laments the fate of his family and his country, and implores Hannah not to continue the fight, but to instead go to America, as Feeney had once intended to do, seeking vengeance. Hannah follows the badly do wounded. Do you know at Pope, that
1: point when uh, when when uh, dies? When when Finney's dying, like he's saying, "No, go to America." At this point, I think Hannah should be obliged to just say to him, "Look, just so you know." At the start of this movie, I like choked a guy to death. And, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I just saying. go to
0: America and tell people to watch this film.
1: <laughs> so I'm just maybe I'm not the the good guy. I'm just saying.
0: Yeah, he can go back to England. He's fine. He'll be all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll go back to prosperity. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They'll
1: be like, wait a minute, you yeah, weren't you just in Ireland? He's like, no, no, no. But I choked no, a guy it it to de- I choked a guy to death in prison. So I was like, all right, come in.
0: I'm going go to go back to Afghanistan. I'm going to go back to. Oh wait, that was another criticism I saw of this film. I think it was in. I don't remember. Oh, the time newspaper. periods were wrong. or No, some no. Shit. Someone said like this is like the Irish First Blood. <laughs> oh yeah, Roger Ebert said that. <laughs> yeah, it was Roger Ebert wasn't it? Or somebody on Roger oh, Ebert. yeah, com. because I don't know if he was alive no, at that no, point. No, no. But yeah, yeah, someone on there was like, it's the, it's like the Irish version of First Blood. And That's uh, they, probably they were, fairer they were than the it. Irish yeah, yeah, Braveheart. Yeah, yeah. That is fair. That is fair. Seeking vengeance, Hannah follows the badly wounded Pope as he returns to Dublin, but stops a fork in the road, a metaphorical and literal fork in the road, uh, folks, it's a bit where this. a group of people bound for America have gathered. Among them is Feeney's last remaining relative, his young niece. And uh, yeah, old Hannah is salivating <laughs> looking at <her>. Pope. <laughs> that's not true. Pope rides down one path as the emigrants start down the other. The film ends without showing which path Hannah takes. What, what do you feel? Where do you think old Hugo Weaving? Hugo Weaving goes and plugs <laughs> himself into the Matrix.
1: Um, I, yeah, I didn't like that ending. Uh, it's just I get what they're going for. Sure, but difficult It's difficult not to, actually. They kind of slap you in the yeah, face. They're like, it.
0: he's at a crossroads here. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Where is he going to go? America? But I know. I mean, they're going at something with the Irish psyche of, like, you know, the, the vengeful thinking
0: yeah um or you know just fucking move on irish psyche but it's an english guy um yeah yeah that's true is he is he gonna go full wing Grow? or is he gonna is he gonna leave with uh the lady i'd say i well
1: i the thing is he's he has no way of knowing that that's feeney's niece
0: yeah that's true yeah he doesn't know that Do you, it'd be and almost- we know it's her. i did i didn't know that until reading this here it didn't occur to me that they were related the Feeney, the, that's Feeney's name.
1: I just kind of I did some think like when
0: did we did we see her earlier on or something
1: Well, she, the mother dies with one daughter and there's two daughters uh, uh yeah I so I kind of just did some mental
0: that. math by the way they focused on that one girl yeah um I just thought like it's a girl, it's the future there's life <laughs> as opposed to like a gay man of Freddie Fox as well, I would say as
1: well Freddie Fox is wounded on the horse back to
0: Dublin. Yeah, I thought they were going I mean, for he's like gonna a, die. I thought they were going for like a like a like a Shane type thing. I thought he fall but, off the horse like. Yeah, or like he was already dead or something. But then I noticed he has his arm in a sling, so he has been patched up. It's not like he's they just let him go and he's like bleeding out. I'm sure in 1847 the like treatment oh, I, the host, hospital treatment probably wasn't all oh, the best certainly something I like sincerely a hope on thing. his way back to
1: Dublin a group of starvelings overtake him and eat him <laughs> and his horse the starvelings are
0: going to eat his fucking face off
1: uh yeah one too keen on the ending but
0: i mean uh, what, I don't, I don't know how it, you what is the alternate what is the alternate ending um both of them die no
1: Alternate ending is. I'll give you two options for your alternate ending. He has some way of knowing that it's uh, Feeney's niece, and he distinctly makes the choice to take her to America.
0: Yes. And we see them on like a steamer ship, like as it pulls into new york or we like see, Ellis Island. We see, see Island.
1: him marrying her when she comes of age <laughs> <laughs> which <laughs> is, the, is two, <laughs> two weeks later <laughs> Cut to two weeks later. which is the whole the whole reason to rescue little girls back then is like oh she'll make Awful. a wife in six years um <laughs> or two weeks as you say i don't know what it's like in scotland
0: <laughs> no this is i'm considering this from the well from, from, <laughs> from, from, from the english perspective he's an english character and the other the other let's let's be clear here the other
1: ending would be uh, instead we follow Freddie Fox's character. He finishes off his uh, service and he has his nice fucking townhouse in London. Then one time middle of the night, Hugo
0: Weaving enters his house and kills him. I don't think Fred I think Freddie Fox <laughs> this is what I'm calling him. Yeah. Freddie Fox is too good a name to, to use stupid character names from the film. This is Pope. Yeah, true story. He's Freddie Fox. He's called Pope. What does that mean? Hmm. Uh, I think I don't think, I don't see him as the baddie beyond like He's no. just the the sort of camp, like almost camp. Campbell goes much more the body. Yeah, I think like I think Freddie Fox doesn't need to die. I feel like he could, He's already he already seemed like he was getting scarred by the whole thing. Yeah, I, I, I was kind. Of, I I've was surprised at the bar when he's at the bar talking to Hugo Weaving, and he's like, "I I, I know you're not. I I know you're not into it anymore, but." I've got a plan to get Feeney. Mm. I need to know that you're with me.
1: <laughs> I would actually say that I probably um my comparison to Jason Isaacs and The Patriot is unfair mainly because that's a ridiculous stupid film. Um but also because in like in recent years uh, watching films I've kind of much more come to recognize what would normally have been you know if I, as a younger man I would have seen as villainous characters now I can kind of say oh no that person's pure a product of environment like um and I, I do think they're, I do think that is what they're going for with Freddie Fox. I don't think they're going for pure villainy. I think the Irish Turncoat is much more of a villain than the Freddie yeah, Fox character. Yeah, Fitzgibbon, fuck that. Um, guy. Or like somebody like Tom Hardy in The Revenant. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, he's yeah. the villain, but he I mean he's just a like. He's, he's just like, a dickhead. look where he is and where, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> yeah, look, that's fair. Look what he lives through. So yeah, I would see that. I would probably say then a more appropriate. Ending one that I would have been more satisfied with, and one more in the tradition of spaghetti westerns, because they always have clean, good endings. They know exactly what what the ending is. Would be, yeah, he has some way of knowing that it is Feeney's niece, and takes it upon him to himself to take her to America.
0: There we go. We have rewritten this film and improved it. Nice. We just need to film that ending. It needed it. Okay, so let's move into the toss pick. The criteria that I set was to pick something set at sea. out of respect for the, the BBC series Vigil that we both watched. Mm. I wanted to see something else set at sea. What did you come up with?
1: I came up with a 1972 classic disaster film, The Poseidon Adventure, which okay. I've never seen.
0: Yeah, that's. Uh, I th- think I've watched. Yeah, I've definitely watched it, but such a long time ago. There was a, 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 some awful remake of that as well, I think. There and, was a few years ago. I didn't watch that either. No, I've not seen that. But yeah, the original with Gene Hackman, it's uh, anytime I'm ever. <laughs> anytime I'm in a, a situation where I need to, to find answers, I watch the Poseidon <laughs> Adventure. Gene, Gene H- Hackman <laughs> plays a priest. <laughs> Gene Hackman plays
1: a priest. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I've definitely Speed seen
0: three. it. I've definitely seen it. But, uh, well, I went for something a bit more recent. Ron Howard's uh, 2015 film, In the Heart of the Sea. The one oh, about whales. I whaling. I win. Have you seen it? Yes. Is it bad?
1: I uh, wasn't a big fan, no.
0: Really? I just, I like, I like the idea of people harpooning whales. Is you should watch it? The North Water. Has that got some whaling? Okay. It's, yeah. a, it's a whaling movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, I'm on board with, maybe I'll just. But well, you know
1: what? Ron Howard, you're generally in solid hands, and it's the case with uh, this also. Okay, it's not, wow. it's not as bad as everybody said. But anyway,
0: if you win, we'll know. I don't. I think it might be your turn to toss, or is it me? I can't remember. I'll toss the coin. Yeah, shall do. I? Okay, your options are fifty or I think Cervantes. Yeah, fifty I'll go or Cervantes. Cervantes. Okay. okay. It's Cervantes. Yay! The Poseidon Adventure. pa 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 poseidon Which means you go criteria again. Yes. So I've gone crazy with the criteria this time. I'm breaking all the rules and gone mad and and gone destroying the Call It Friendly podcast by saying the criteria is choosing something that you've seen before. That's one, it. one time only, something that you've seen Now, I've
1: thought about bringing before. up this criteria myself.
0: One time only, folks. Mm. Something that you've seen before. So really, the
1: way to use this is to force the other person to watch something you want them to watch.
0: Basically, if, yeah. it, if you know that they haven't seen it, but I, okay. M- I'm okay, i not 100% familiar. I can't remember what you have and haven't seen. I can't remember what I have and haven't seen.
1: Well, I, I've pretty much decided mine already. Okay, good. <laughs> That's
0: fine. That's nice
1: all right uh well until uh next week then bye bye peace
0: bye